Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 129. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, back again, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? Hey John, I'm fine and dandy. It's great to have you back. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. This week, we are starting a new two-parter with John Tolles. What was the uh, thesis of this discussion? So John actually came up through the mobility space, and he's made a career out of that, taking himself from administrator to engineer to architect. And I I thought he wrote some very interesting blogs about that, and he also shares a few other things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought that that was in, like his entry um, from retail into mobility is also really interesting. I, th- I thought that was uh, something that if you're if you're in the retail space and looking to get into like more of a skilled like IT job role, then maybe this is uh, an episode for you. Um, I really enjoyed his focus on documentation as kind of uh, a superpower and a career accelerator, something that he's looked upon as a strength, you know, creating documentation uh, for the problems that he solved, and also um, a major lens that he, he uh, uh, for the discussion, like how he saw a career, was uh, his neurodiversity, um, his uh, ADHD, uh, attention deficit and hyperact- hyperactivity disorder. Um, you know, it's, I think, the first time on this podcast that we've had uh, somebody else with that. I, it's something that, that I have. It's uh, just not something that, you know, I necessarily saw as like a lens through which I, I looked at the world. And it was interesting to see uh, his focus on that. It, it was really eye-opening. Yeah, some of the challenges I just didn't realize people have that that are diagnosed with ADHD. So it was very eye-opening for me to to get an understanding of a different viewpoint. Yeah, same here. You know, just because we have the same diagnosis doesn't mean that we have uh, the exact same experience. So it was uh, very eye-opening for me. Um, But without further ado, let's go ahead and roll part one of our interview with John Tolles. John Tolles, thanks for joining us on The Nerd Journey. Thanks, Nick. Nice to be here. Yeah, great to have you. I think we're going to have a good conversation. For our listeners out there, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do today? Sure. kind of give my journey real quick. Uh, So late to IT, retail manager for about 12 years. Uh, Started IT around the age of 29 or so. Uh, Been through many places in the mobility world and industry. Um, At this point, I am now a VMware partner. Uh, as part of the IT wing of my 
my wife's multi-million dollar farmer organization and I work with various clients on different uh, EUC technologies, mainly in the, uh, the UEM space, focusing on mobility around Mac OS, Android, iOS, uh, Windows 10, that type of thing. And what was it that got you into the technology space in the first place? Uh, so honestly, I never really wanted to be in IT, I don't think. Uh, so I, somebody who was, you know, I grew up like as about as, as nerdy as nerdy could be. And, you know, I was a gamer, like hardcore. I wish I was, I wish I was born this time. I probably would have been, I probably would have been able to get into the e-game stuff. I realized as I've gotten older that I, I don't have the reaction time to play video games all that well anymore. But, um, back in the day, but, but when I, to age myself, esports for me growing up was the NBA GM tournament at Blockbuster Video, which is if anyone can remember that, that's that was that was esports when I was when I was growing up. Um, but uh, I never wanted to do it. I was a, I was in retail for a long time. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to kind of met my wife to put me on the right path. Uh, back then, I was like three hundred and ten pounds or something like that, which I'm now you know. 200 pounds. Um, and she kind of helped me refocus. She pushed me to go and go, I went and got my A plus. I went and did my, my degree online, got my bachelor's and she kind of, kind of pushed me to kind of finally get out of retail. And I did. And I got very fortunate that that led me to working for BlackBerry. Uh, and it was a very interesting challenge for me because I was working with all these people who had been principals at Microsoft for like 10 years. And I was like two years into it and it was tough. And I tell you, the great thing about ADHD is if you can channel it, you can compete with anybody if, if you have the drive and the effort. Because you can, you have so much energy that if you actually have the drive and you're willing to put that effort in, you can you can rise to that occasion against anybody. And that's what I, I basically had to work harder than anybody else, uh, trying to keep up with them. And I'm really fortunate because that time and effort I've had to, I put in over probably a five or six year stint got me to a point where I just know I can understand and figure out any technology now. I've just been so, so thankful and fortunate for that because like I said, it's everyone gets opportunities, but you know, can you make the best, most of them and, and turn them into something special? And I've been fortunate that I've, I've been able to, and like I said, I'm just very lucky from that perspective. John, can I ask you um, from that A plus certification, that's kind of like a, like a generalist um, certification. Yeah. What's steered you in the direction of working for, a company like BlackBerry? Sure. I think that's a good question. So the last retail job I had was at Verizon. And so this was 2009. And if we date that back, 2009 was when Verizon first got the iPhone. And so what I was doing at the time was, is I was working in this little Verizon store that was a franchise. What I was doing was, is I was actually doing like BlackBerry training with uh, use with customers for the store, like I would actually like teach them how to use Blackberries. It was I I started selling all these different Blackberry services and kind of learning mobility. And so once I got my A plus, I lucked out. And the hardest thing in the world, really, is when you're trying to transition into IT and you come from a non IT background. I had such a hard time getting someone to give me a shot in IT because I just figured, look, you as a retail person, right? It's very very tough. And being completely honest with you, and I'm very respectful to the many different plights in diversity, it is as hard to get people to take you seriously and get a job when you're 300 pounds as it is with almost any, not any, but many different diverse areas because you get, there's a lot of, honestly, people just judge you. And I had a, and I tell you, I've had a significantly easier time getting jobs when I weigh 200 versus when I weigh 300. 
Um, and I just was really fortunate that I got one person to give me a chance. And that's what it comes down to, right? When IT is you need to get that one person to give you a shot and you have to, you have to be willing to kind of put in the time and, and take advantage of it. And I did. And I had this, this, this company that is no longer exists called on demand communications. They gave me a shot. They, they had a, a government consulting firm in Virginia. And I, I went in as a BlackBerry administrator, basically enrolling Blackberries and shipping them out and doing basic BlackBerry administration. And that, it kind of was a jumping off point because I, I did that. I did great. They were having a lot of financial issues as startups tend to. Uh, and I ended up, I went from that to contracting. And then after that one contract job, I just, I shot in the dog. I applied at BlackBerry. I got in and honestly, the rest is history. It's just all about, you know, I, I my whole life, I live on everything I do is all about effort. And so I, I do a lot of mentoring, even with like with my client, I do a lot of mentoring and my whole thing is, is if you give me effort, I will, I'll do whatever I have to do to help you be successful. But I'm, that's a big thing for me is I need to see people who are actually going to put in effort. They're going to try and they're going to, they're just going to show me that they, they want it. Right. Cause I think that in my, in my opinion, when I look at somebody and like what their, I think their mobile upward mobility is and what they can really be like, I usually look at like their, like their effort and I look at what kind of mind they have. And I was thinking about this today is I think if you have the right mindset and your mind works in a very specific way, even if you're inexperienced, you can be very, very good. And I think that there's just, it's, I, I always kind of put it down to intangibles because honestly, in my, in my industry in mobile, it's the only, it's like one of the only things in IT you can't go to school for. And so a lot of it is kind of battle tested and learning stuff. Cause I mean, you look at everything, like even like in like InfoSec, right. That there's all degrees and stuff for that now, but mobility, a lot, it's really tr- tried and tested. And then, learning stuff and kind of moving and shifting and developing, I think. Yeah, that's really an interesting point. I think that there are more and more places um, where you can actually, you know, get training these days um, in IT. Although I think uh, we still jerk around and like, I think InfoSec might be, it feels like one of the few places, but you, you can't go to college and get like a sysadmin like degree. Right. Or, uh, um, uh, I, I suppose that there is, uh, you know, IS degrees. I think they're mostly massive. For, I think they're mass, mostly massive programs now, aren't they? I think a lot of the infosec stuff. There's a lot. There are a few master degree programs in like uh, forensics and like cybersecurity that I have seen people go and get. I mean, I I have never gone for one because I'm not a huge proponent. And like, I know people feel differently. I'm not like I don't not a big proponent of like, oh, I have my I should go get my MBA and stuff like that. I just don't think it translates that well in IT. And I know a lot of people feel differently than me, but I just. I think that having a bachelor's degree is good. It's doesn't, it's not required. It's good. I just think that, you know, this diminishing returns past bachelors in it. I just, I just, the way I view it. I know, I know a lot of people feel differently about that. And I just don't like school. I have ADHD people don't get it. You know, I have not read a book I've enjoyed since I was 10 <laughs> because you cannot focus. Like literally the last book I read, I think was the, from the gunslinger trilogy, the dark tower series. Yeah. Like that was literally the last book I read. I was like 10 years old on the train in Boston with my grandmother. It's like literally the last time I was able to read a book for enjoyment because when you have ADHD, you just can't like, you can't focus. Like I, I, and I wrote in my article, right. It's my brain is like HTTP two. It's like multi-threaded. So like, I'll be reading a book and then I'll start to go, oh, I later have to do this. Oh, and did this. And, and like, I just, you your my brain is just moving in so many different directions, like constantly. Like it's just, it's impossible to kind of focus on that one thing. And I think that it's all about, and it's really all about like what you make of it. Like it's just, can you turn, 
your quote unquote symptoms into strengths. I think that's just kind of how I look at it. But like, yeah, it's people don't, I don't think they really understand a lot of those struggles unless you have to deal with them. It's just, it's, it's, it's very difficult to really, I think, grasp. It's interesting. It's a collision of, um, at least in IT, like a lot of IT is def- descended from telecoms, right? And telecoms was a real like master mm-hmm. journeyman apprentice system, not like a, like a college degree system. So I see a lot of it still growing out of that. Although there's a lot more. No, you're right. I, used to do, I did that. I did that before I worked for BlackBerry. I was doing Thames. I was doing telecom expense management stuff along with my BlackBerry job. You're having to like import like the Verizon bills and then doing all that nonsense, having a call. It was just, it was not, not particularly enjoyable, especially when you work at a place when I, when I was doing it, they had, they had all four carriers. They were like a hospital trust. So they owned like buildings all across the country. It was not enjoyable. Oh, why is this person in AT&T? They're in a, they're in New York. It's like, yeah, it's just like, uh, it was, it's, I guess, I don't know if it was interesting work, but it was certainly involved work. It, it was good work for somebody with my kind of health issues because uh, it is so much stuff there that it, it certainly keeps you, keeps you busy, at least to a degree. For sure. And you mentioned that you were on a team with a lot of very experienced folks. They had been principals at other companies. How did they take to having someone that they perceived was less experienced on the team? What I found to be really useful is honestly kind of being, so I'll be honest, there are good and bad things about being in Texas, right? Because I mean, the biggest, I, I don't know if you could say it's bad is that people I don't in Texas, see any downsides, John. <laughs> it's not, it's not anything about Texas itself. I, I loved Texas. It's about somebody like me from New England and getting people in Texas to understand me as a person, right? Because many people in Texas and, you know, there's, there's so many stereotypes about Texas, but many people in Texas, they're relatively, let's say, laid back, right? They're, they can be a little more timid to a degree, uh, at least in my experience. And like, you know, us, peop- us Bostonians, we're loud and we're, we are what we are, right? And we're very, you know, blunt people. And it's even worse when you have ADHD, you're like extra blunt, if that's possible. But like, and it's, that was the hardest thing, right? From, I think, with me is like having, is like these people, and I guess the great thing about me is I never really showed it. Like, even though that I was on this with the, all these people, I was one of the top performers and I was, I made it to the very last round of layoffs because, you know, I guess the one thing I, that one of the things I really took from being at BlackBerry that I learned was, is that, you know, own, own, own things. Like don't make up, don't make up something like it's okay to say, you know, let me look into that. I'll get back to you. Like that kind of stuff. Like, and and I found ways to provide value in other ways because, like, the main the reason the main reason that BlackBerry gave me the job was is that I came with soft skills, and I came with technical writing aptitude. Like, you know, I was willing to actually put in the time and document stuff. Like, I really loved doing like health checks, and like I was willing to put in all that time. One of the things I loved, and everyone hates BMC Remedy, but one of the things I loved about BMC Remedy, and I never really hated it. I don't think I had enough experience to hate it, but everyone always talks about how much they hate BMC Remedy. The thing I loved was is whenever I closed a ticket there, I had to link it to a KB article. And if that KB article didn't exist, I had to I had to write and submit one, which I loved because like you know it's just like you know show I, I let's always love the concept of showing your work like, and I've always been I've always really pushed on that. It's like help me understand like wh- how you got to that point, like how you got to that conclusion, and and like I said honestly, like I said most of the people I worked with for BlackBerry, you know, we're we're relatively decent. Like you know, I'm not saying that every place has certain people, but like they were you know relatively pretty 
you know, easy to work with, you know, like I'm sure people would get tired. I'd ask questions just kind of, you know, like, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Because I've always kind of had a felt like I want to be really collaborative and kind of, I always love involving people in the journey, quote unquote. And I, I just, I've always, I just always kind of enjoyed that. And yeah, it was tough, but I said, you know, but I, you know, I, I figured out, well, where do I go to look for stuff? So I, I would spend hours digging through their confluence, like digging through software engineering documentation and trying to figure out how X thing worked. Because what made me, I guess, unique was is that I never had a Splunk. I never had a Sumo logic. I, I was literally using like Notepad++ and opening like one gigabyte Java files. You couldn't do that Notepad++. I think that I was using a like log or something. But like, but you can never do that. You literally, like, so I had to like do things like that. And then I guess because of the way my mind worked is I really, in, I, I guess I enjoyed the journey. Like, okay, let me control F. Like, you know, find, find, find in files the word error. Oh, okay. Does this give me any information? Like, and like, I, so I really built a lot of really great core skills, especially around troubleshooting and like looking at logs and trying to figure out a lot of that kind of stuff. And I, I, I enjoyed that, but it was also a double-edged sword because that's actually when I really decided I had to take my disease more seriously because I, I was... The thing that people don't realize when you have ADHD, when you actually read, it takes you consume you actually use twice as much, if not more energy than twice as much when you actually try to like, you know, you look at logs, you do any kind of intensive reading, it drains your energy. I was actually falling asleep on the way home from work. Like and I was sleeping, like, you know, I don't sleep a lot, but like I was sleeping, I was it's not like I was staying up all night, like I used to in my video gaming days, but like like literally like I would just fall asleep at the wheel on the way home from work to get home. And that's when I I, I started taking it seriously. And that's actually when I started taking, you know, take taking Ritalin to actually help me stay awake. And I literal and that was Literally, when I started doing that was for that reason. It was because I was looking, I was spending hours on hours looking at these logs, trying to figure out issues and stuff like that. And and it was great. I I was really really good at it, and I still am really good at it. But like I, it was just it was a very I think it was an interesting thing for me is that like I never really showed like that like I was like you know overwhelmed. Like I was just I guess that's one of the good things about me from a technical perspective. That I just don't really get overwhelmed by stuff. I'm I guess inquisitive, and I like to try to figure out how things work and understand. I really like that thing that you said about um, linking closing tickets to having to explain, you know, uh, and and basically give back to like the the pool of people that you're working with, right? Um, hey, this is how I solved the problem, and and uh, since it's not documented everywhere, let me make sure that it is documented. I, that's an if I think that if people don't have that instinct and they're not forced to do it by a structure they should be doing it anyway like that's just that's just good for your career oh i agree and the problem is that everyone is so paranoid all the time like they just don't like show they don't like sharing they don't like showing their work i worked at some i worked with somebody at mit who literally refused to share his documentation he hit it all on his desktop it would not put it on their on their on their uh i was gonna say lms but it's not lms i was trying not to use the name of the product but like it's not sharepoint but it's a sharepoint adjacent product the knowledge base article um, I guess, sit, I guess sit, share or whatever, but like, yeah, he refused to share documentation. Like I just, I just, I just never understood that whole concept of people are so afraid to show stuff and like share what they're doing, what they've done. And like, they don't like to document, they don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. And it's, they, it's, it's people are just, they're, they're just too tactical and they're not strategic enough in their mindset that, 
you know, when you document, when you share information, whether it's, you know, with your team, whether it's with your help desk, whoever it is, inevitably you're benefiting everybody. And they never really got that. They just always, the problem is I think a lot of people, they always felt like it was beneath them. Like they didn't want to do this. They didn't want to do that. I mean, I mean, it just drives you so crazy. Like, like every time you, you know, you open a ticket with whatever vendor it is, what, like they can go to their internal tickets and they can find the answer to that problem. But that problem never made it into a knowledge base with that, that vendor. There's stuff, this information should be shared. Like that's literally the whole point. And if you're actually good at your job, it doesn't matter if you're from where information is, if it's out there or not. Because if you're good at your job, you don't have to worry about that. You really, it should not be something you should be that worried about. You should be more, it should be more important thinking about what's good for your company, not what's good for you. I think there's this perception that uh, knowledge is power. And if I share all this knowledge with other people, then they're going to get promoted faster than me or or something like that, or I'm not going to be as valuable to the organization. At least when I, it was that way when I worked in a manufacturing environment, at least for the folks who were on the shop floor, there seemed to be very guarded about what they wanted certain people to know how to do and sharing that information. That's just my opinion. I I think I was going to say exactly the same thing, but also maybe um, to, you know, to attach a judgment to it, right? Especially in knowledge work, like, you know, what we call knowledge work these days, I think that if your job security is attached to the idea that you know things that other people in your organization don't know, and if you give that knowledge, you know, quote unquote, give that knowledge away, you won't be valuable to the organization anymore. Then, you know, there's a, probably a couple things wrong there. If that's true, then you probably should find somebody some, somewhere else to work, right? And if it's true um, about, you know, and that's a judgment on the organization. If it's true about you, then I think that you might think that it's true, but, you know, that's, you know, hopefully it isn't, you know, hopefully the the thing that is, uh, is valuable about you is your ability to figure out that knowledge, not the fact that you happen to have it and nobody else does. Yep. I worked at a, I worked at a large retailer and I always said in IT, there's three types of people. There are people that are good with people. There are people that are technical technically strong then there are the people who pretend that they're technically strong and can fool the people that are good with people but not the people that are technical like i always felt like it people they kind of they you kind of lumped in those three things right like you had the people who like you know they weren't the most technical people but they were really good with users right they're just they just were whether it's an analyst or whatever and then like you had people who were and obviously the people who were super technical is a very small percentage of them but then you had a lot of those people who tried to fake it they 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 were all about fake until they make it right and the only person that actually knew that they were full of it was the person, the people that were really technical. And so a lot of times that they could, and it's like, I just never believed in that whole idea, right? Is that because eventually it catches up to you at the end of the day, right? And it's like, and it, I've always just, I guess I've always felt that if you put in the work and you're willing to put in the time, you can get to anywhere you want to be. It's just the reality is, it's, excuse me, there aren't a lot of people that want to put that in. And, and I don't know, I never understood the why, like why they feel that way. Um, maybe it's just cause I have a lot of energy and I just, I just, I have to do things the right way. And I understand that sometimes doing things the right way means you're going to work a lot more hours. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I've always been terrible at work-life balance, I guess, but like, I just rather put in the time and the effort. Cause I just, I have, I just would not sleep at night if I knew I did stuff. It's interesting. I think maybe the, my observation on that would be you're leaving out the like interest in the topic, right? Because I, I, 
you know, there's in general things that, you know, don't necessarily 100% align with what I'm interested in. Um, I can still like power through it, you know, if, if it's important to my job, because it's generally aligned with what it is that my general interests are. But if I had to power through something that was totally orthogonal to what I cared about, it would be like, you know, orders of magnitude more difficult. What's different about me is, and I think it's because I grew up as a, as the product of a sing of a, a single mother, is that I have this like need to make others happy. It's part that part that I guess all technology interests me because I'm home I'm homesying enough, and by saying Sherlock homesy enough that I love the puzzle. Like I like figuring out how stuff works, and I like to figure out how to solve a problem. Like someone says, I. I really want to be able to do this. And so I love being able to figure that out. And I, I find all, all technology technology is interesting to me. I just love being able to do stuff that nobody does. Like, so a lot of what like my blog and I do is I take stuff that is really poorly documented that nobody knows how to do. And I figure it out. Like I've like become like the authoritarian on like unified access gate, which nobody understands. Like as it just, as an example, 75% of the clients I have right now are because I'm like the only person knows how to do the security mail gateway with Kerberos authentication. Like, 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 and I can't, I can't believe it or not. Yeah. There are that many people who actually still use on-prem exchange, believe it or not. But yeah, but like, it's just like, I don't know. I just, I love the puzzle. Like I love figuring out stuff that like nobody knows how to do because this is an inevitable problem that we, we deal with a lot on the, the VMware EUC side is that when new products come out, they're not always ready. Right. And so I have, I end up getting this opportunity to actually like, let's take this thing that nobody knows how to do. Let me figure it out and see if I can actually make it work. And I guess I just, I just love, I just, I love that whole idea of it. And it always just blows my mind when I hear about these people will either like, I got a, I got a message the other day literally saying that my blog is the reason they went into mobility. And that like blew my mind. Like I couldn't even, I just couldn't even fathom it to kind of talk about ADHD for a second. Uh, I, I read something today. It was, so, and I don't know if you're the same way, John, but the problem with ADHD is you spend a lot of time in your internal dialogue. Like you analyze conversations you had that day to see, is this because I'm me or could I have done something different? What is the problem? And I read an article today. It was really interesting. And they said that one of the new symptoms that they've done studies on for ADHD is that you have highs and lows of how you deal with emotions. Like, so sometimes a situation will come up and you'll react to it way more than you should have, but then other situations will come up and you won't react at all. And so like, so something that like shouldn't, that may not, should not bother you that much will bother you more for whatever reason. And this is a new symptom. Like they haven't actually said, you know, written this in as a symptom of ADHD, but, but the emotional, like, like peaks and valleys are a big challenge. And, it's something that I hadn't thought about it, but I started analyzing it. And I said, I don't know if you ever do this, you know, someone with ADHD is like, I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about stuff like, okay, so I had this issue or this disagreement with somebody today. And it's like, you know, what, like, what did I do wrong here? Like, how do I, you know, fix this? Because you are kind of in a way prejudiced against when you have ADHD. And cause like, they just think that like, you're, you know, you're crass or you're this or you're that. And it, a lot of people don't necessarily understand it or how hard it is like to have no filter and not be able to control that. And like, I don't know if you were reading this stuff. There are people who can't even work with other people because their ADHD symptoms are so severe. And that just, that just blows my mind. Like I just can't even. 
imagine that. Interesting. I, I've, That's wild. You know, I don't think that um, ADHD and, you know, being on the autism spectrum are the same. They get lumped in together, but it's, it, you know, it's not the same. It is kind of like, you know, the thing that, you know, makes me, you know, remark on it is the, like, just the, 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 the phrase or descriptor neuroatypical, right? Like, I think that word does cover both yeah. things, right? But I think pe- the way people's minds work on, you know, both of those, um, you know, the autism spectrum and then probably ADHD is probably a spectrum too. Is like, it's, it's different ways of, of working, which are different from being neurotypical. I don't know if, if you buy that. Yeah, if you look at the if you just look at the etymology of that word, it totally makes sense, right? When you, you just break it down, and you're like, oh yeah, that that 100% completely completely fits. Like I literally, uh, being very honest, I literally had a man, I literally had a director who told me more or less that I was being held back because of ADHD, and that oh, I'm smart enough to fix it. But I was like, <laughs> yep, glad I'm leaving there. <laughs> it's just it's so con it's just so condescending. Like people don't have no idea how difficult it is, and and this is the same reason why people don't know that their people have ADHD is because nobody is well, like, I'm just, I just own it. I, I'm good with it. And I'm, I, I know, like I said, I'm going to have, there's going to be good days and bad days. Like it's, it's so hard to turn that filter off. Like somebody will say something that's just like blatantly incorrect and you have a hard time not correcting them in that meeting. And it's like, you can't, you try and you try and sometimes you're going to succeed, but a lot of times you're going to fail at, at that. And people just, they don't, they just really don't get it. And the big difference is between having ADHD and being toxic is that you don't have, there's no malcontent. And I don't think they get that is that like, you know, like when we do it, we're doing it really from a good place that we're trying to help or trying to be decent. Whereas other people are doing it because they're just. Right. Coming from a bad place as opposed to coming from a good place. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've worked enough toxic environments and it's like, it just, people don't understand that. And I'll tell you, I've had. I've had one manager who ever really got it. His name was Dan Smith. I worked with him at worked for him at Talbots until he left. He's now at Proofpoint. Um, he like very, the sweetest man I've ever met. Like you know, he's a Jehovah Witness, super super, just like amazingly decent person. And he just he just got it. He understood. He understood. You know, you know, he was a good advocate. He understood this. You know, help. You know, kind of like tr- like a translation engine for for John, right? And just was say, help explain. You know. This is, you know, you know, he, he it's coming from a good place and like just helping people try to understand kind of what that's like. Cause like I said, no, nobody gets it. I mean, back in the 80s, like, you know, so I'm 41, I grew up in the eighties back then. Right. So I didn't even know I was, I had ADHD until I was 29 and I was tested when I was like eight. Basic, basically when I was moving out of my house, moved, getting ready to move with my wife, I was going, I found some old papers in my mother's and I actually found where I actually said I had. I was diagnosed with ADHD, but back in the eighties, a lot of parents were terrified because they want to put everybody in Ritalin. Ritalin had a really bad rep back then. Like that was like, that was like, like those old Chris Rock Robitussin jokes where basically it was like Robitussin, like like Ritalin was like the thing for, they just used, they just threw a bunch of things at at Ritalin. And so a lot of people didn't do it. And, you know, it, it really, I think helped you understand, it helped me understand a lot about kind of, I think who I am and, and I think at the end of the day, right, is that if people understand, people need to understand it. It's and we'll, we'll get nerdy for a second, but it's kind of it's kind of like the whole Infinity Gauntlet in the Avengers, right? It's about like with ADHD, do you know how to harness that energy? Can you, do you know how to take that person? 
it's about, you know, like, you know, like you take people and you try to play to their strengths and stuff like that. And it's about, do you know how to take that person and harness their power and their energy for, for good? Or do you just write them off? And I think that if you know how to harness that person's strengths and leverage them, then, you know, you can have somebody that's as good, if not better than everybody else, just point blank. And it, it just, it, it mystifies me that people don't realize how, you know, how much good you can do with somebody who has that level of energy and all that. And they don't, they just look at the, Oh, this person is disruptive. This person's not going to work. They're not going to be this. They're not going to be that. It's just, it, it blows my mind in this day and age that people don't try to play, play people to their strengths instead of just, you know, throwing them to the wolves. I think what you're talking about and touching on is a prejudice against um, having the diagnosis, right? Just like um, something that's fading away, kind of like, you know, you know, the fading um, prejudice against having a mental health diagnosis, right? And, And you can actually kind of look at that from the language that people used about ADHD, like, you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're just like doping up kids on, on Ritalin, which is just exposes a fundamental misunderstanding about the medication, right? Like it's a stimulant. And the only way that a stimulant will calm you down is if you have ADHD, right? So they're talking about the diagnosis right there and the medication that treats the diagnosis with just a lack of understanding about it at all. It's the, it's the Hollywood, it's, it's a Hollywoodification of, of Ritalin, right? Like they mm-hmm. saw it in this movie or that movie. And so they automatically, like, buddy, it's not meth. Okay. It is Ritalin. Well, they don't talk about it as if it were like a, like the stimulant, like, you know, meth. Yeah. They, they talk about it as if it's um, a tranquilizer. At least that's the way it used to be talked about in the eighties and nineties. Like, like you're tranquilized. Oh, your kid ha- is hyperactive. So he's going to be tranquilized by Ritalin, which makes absolutely no sense. Right. I still remember the time that like the the one the first time when I I took my my methyl phenidate with my uh, like my diet coke and I felt like my heart was gonna stop because it took the the Ritalin plus the caffeine all at once yeah like okay no more caffeine in the morning at all <laughs> <laughs> so the worst part about having ADHD is your ADHD makes you sometimes for makes you forget and second guess did you take your medication that morning. Hmm. Like, That's really it? interesting. I think I took it. I'm not really sure. Maybe. Yeah, I've had a few of those moments where I have to like, try to like replay it in my mind. <laughs> Can you tell us about like uh, it's so interesting? I read some of your articles, like the um, you know the finding the right manager um, article and the politics around ADHD. Um, you know, and we'll definitely put links to those in our show notes. Can you talk a little bit about the path to just being open? with it and just like publishing it. Cause I, I certainly like, I'm not afraid to tell somebody that I have an ADHD diagnosis. I just don't like maybe announce it. Right. Yeah. And so it's so, it's interesting that you're, you're so open about it. And, and uh, I was just wondering if you could explain like the path to how you got there. Yeah. I mean, so honestly, the article, I guess it kind of came on a whim. Like I, so I was reading about, you know, so I was like, so my wife and I, we own a, we own a pharma company. We work with several clients. We work on stuff for the FDA and stuff like that, like the submissions of drugs and stuff like that. And so we, were, I, I realized it was mental health awareness month. And I was, I was just, I was really thinking about it. And 
so what it really came down to was like, and I was talking about this a little bit earlier is it always surprises me when I hear about people that have read my stuff and it actually matters. So to give you the history, uh, so the very first VM world we, I went, that I went to my best friend, um, this was the, after basically AirWatch connect rest in peace, uh, the greatest conference that ever existed. Uh, when that we went away and we went, we were forced to go out to Vegas, the VM world, the, my first time in Vegas. But uh, I was I went to some session about was like was like it was like mobile email management, like best practice or something. And they asked me if I had a blog. I'm like, no. And like and so that kind of got me to the idea of writing because as someone with ADHD, the whole reason I always was really strong with technical writing is is that was a skill that I had learned helped me learn and memorize stuff. Because when you have ADHD, you learn a little bit differently, you, you're hands-on, you know, you can't just, like, nothing is harder than trying to get certified when you have ADHD, because you just can't, you just can't memorize stuff. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. Like, practice tests are the only thing that really have ever been even remotely effective. I, I can't get a certification outside of, outside of mobility. I, I just don't know this stuff well enough. Like, even though, like, I, I worked in the, I worked in AWS for, did you know, EWS stuff for three years, I couldn't even pass that test. Like no matter how much I do, it's just impossible. And like, so anyway, going back to what I was saying is that, so I looked at, I thought about that and it just, it just blew, it, it blew me away. Cause like I said, I just, you know, I just been writing it to kind of just throw stuff out there. And like, it always just shocked me. People like when I first presented it, I presented my first presentation was at VMworld in 2018 on a basically odd, uh, VIDM at the time, VMware Identity Manager. Uh, I had people coming up to me telling me like how important my blog was to them and how much it helped them, and it just it really blew me away. And then I guess I had this moment of clarity last month when I realized, you know, I, what I'm doing actually matters, which is weird to me, but it does. And you know, is it my responsibility? And this is Mental Health Awareness Month to make a difference here. That you know people are actually reading my stuff and what I'm saying actually matters to these people, then isn't it my job to be an advocate for ADHD? Because I've been relatively open about it because I just, I guess I just don't care. I've never really cared all that much what people kind of think of me because I guess I've, I I came up a mobile guy, right? And mobile people, we have no respect. Like, cause what happens is 99% of the time they don't want to pay for a mobility person. So I, most companies I went to is I went to some company who had never had a mobility person before. And so they, you know, they bring me in, I, I do all my stuff and, you know, we we're just in general never really been well-respected. And part of that is that most mobile people are administrators and, you know, they're just not, you know, they are, they're good at very specific stuff. And there's always just been a lot of misnomers about like what they can actually can or can't do. And so in some companies, they really push me to do this or do that. I'm getting a little bit off topic here, I guess. But like the idea is, is that, is that, I just don't care what people think because if I did, I would just crawl into a shell and die because mobility people, we just don't have any, we don't get respect at all. Cause even honestly, when they decided to merge VDI and mobility together, that was the worst thing that could happen to us. Cause now we're even less important because <laughs> everyone cares about horizon. Nobody really cares about mobility to be honest with you. Like, yeah, they say they do, but you know, it's, it's just, it's not, we're just, we're just not as sexy as, as, as VDI. I mean, I can't really blame them. I mean, VDI, I mean, especially COVID, COVID, it's huge. And so I guess I just don't really, I don't really think about that too much, but I, I realize that I, I need to really, I can, I can make a difference here. And so I kind of decided to talk about it and talk about the struggles I've seen and what I've dealt with and, you know, kind of like what I've tried to do about them. 
And I think honestly, the number one thing I, I learned with my diagnosis and ADHD is that I'm going to own it. I'm not defensive. If I make mistakes, I own them. It's fine. You know, it happens. And, you know, and it's a big shift from a lot of people in IT. A lot of people in IT are always trying to kind of play CYA and trying to kind of make sure that they, they look good. I just I've always just believe my work's going to speak for me. And I have to be really, really great at what I do because if I'm not, people are going to use my interpersonal issues against me at every, at every turn. And that's what, what, for me, that's what happens, right? Is that, is that my technology can stand on its two, own two feet. And so people can't use that, but they've used, you know, the fact that, you know, one of the biggest struggles I have is the fact I don't always don't, I don't always understand when people stop talking and that's an ADHD symptom. And so sometimes I may speak over somebody and it's not intentional. It's just a kind of what happens. I have, like I said, I have stuff like that. And the fact that I'm so just straightforward and blunt and, and those things are, those things are tough and it's just, it's, it's part of who I am and I'm good with it. And like, even sometimes, and it, the problem is I'm also Catholic. And so I feel bad about it afterwards. And then, so then I go back and say, you know, just so you know, I, I'm not trying to do this, but this is kind of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hear it, everybody. John Tolls was another one of those folks who just needed a chance to show the world what he can do. Starting at BlackBerry, working with all these people who he felt had way more expertise than he did. And he was able to do some incredible things. And we'll hear more about his career path a little bit next week. But I want to say a kudos to John for being so open and vulnerable with the community here. Not everyone who has a diagnosis that they feel others might look down on them for or view as a weakness is really willing to talk about it. That That's a hard thing, I think, and it takes a lot of guts to get on a podcast and, and say something like that. Yeah, totally agree. I think it um, really harkens back to other guests that we've had, like uh, Cody Darkland, um, episodes 85 and 86, I think. And Mike Burkhart, too. Like, um, I think most recently we had him back for episodes 109 and 110. Um, those are also, like, interesting guests that we've had with unique points of view who have been just really willing and open to, you know, share their experiences, you know, and, you know, even be a little bit vulnerable and really open themselves up. Um, and I really liked how John really felt that this was not like a disadvantage that he had, but it was a strength, you know, that he brought to an organization. I think uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about that in the next episode next week. So I won't uh, try to, uh, to to undercut that content that's coming to you soon. Anyway, uh, <laughs> do you want to get out of here? Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios.
snap your fingers with the Infinity Gauntlet and it'll be next week before you know it.